from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Thank you all for tuning in. Welcome Monday, January 30th, 2023. An exciting episode we have today. A lot of vulnerabilities there. So I do apologize again for the audio issue there uh, a moment ago. Um, the equipment reset itself like literally just moments before we went live. And so um, kind of everything here uh, uh, went, went, went fritz. So I do apologize, but thank you all for tuning in this morning. Cyberhubpodcast.com. Find all the latest tomorrow. I premiere the brand new CISO Talk podcast with a new season and my good friend Patrick Benoit, the global CISO over at Brinks. We talk about the Joe Sullivan case and the Uber breach. A 30-minute episode. You'll absolutely love it. CISO Talk podcast is a completely different show. So you want to make sure and you want to find it. Um, on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't subscribed, go do that now. Um, you'll find it there. And then I've got a whole bunch of episodes. I've got George Feeney coming up. I've got Ken Foster over uh, coming on as well. Danny Wolf and I did an awesome backwards episode of Sisto Talk, which was legendary. I can't wait to share that. And so many more awesome guests are coming on the show. Can't wait for this new season. So go check that out. Without further ado, let's grab our cup of espresso and get into this morning's show because you're tuning in just to hear what's happening my double espresso coffee cup cheers y'all thank y'all for your understanding yes chris it is monday it is monday morning so last week we talked about the microsoft 365 outage if you remember well the now microsoft's able to say that it was caused by a WAN router ip change and for those smiling yes you can continue to smile the outage lasted nearly five hours and Service was restored. It affected pretty much all of the Microsoft 365 product suite. Um, and the uh, preliminary post-incident reports published uh, today said that this was a simple uh, network issue where the WAN IP address was replaced and it kind of took everything down with it. Good to know Microsoft doesn't have a live and a, you know, a, a rollback environment. Kind of a little scary there. And then Microsoft will stick on the Microsoft uh, line here are still urging customers to patch their exchange servers they published on uh, thursday of last week they published a blog post reminding customers of the continues waves of attacks targeting exchange server urging everyone to install the latest available updates as soon as possible attackers are still actively looking for unpatched exchange servers and they're not going away there's too many aspects of unpatched on-premise exchange environments that are valuable to bad actors looking to exfiltrate data or commit other malicious acts, and they're asking everyone to update those as a gentle reminder. A real tech vulnerability is under attack. This is a new news story from this morning. Over 134 million attempt, attempts to hack IoT devices. Researchers are warning about a spike in exploitation attempts, weaponizing a critical remote code execution flaw in the Realtek Jungle SDK since the start of August of last year, according to Unit 42 over at Palo Alto Networks. The ongoing campaign is said to have recorded 134 million exploits attempts as of December of 2022, with 97% of the attacks occurring in the past four months. Close to 50% of the attacks originated from the U.S., followed by Vietnam, Russia, Netherlands, France, Germany, and Luxembourg. What's more, 95% of the attacks are leveraging the security shortcomings that emitted from Russia's singled-out organizations in Australia. Many of, the, many of the attacks we observed tried to deliver malware to infect vulnerable IoT devices. Adding threat groups are using this vulnerability to carry out large-scale attacks on smart devices, 
around the world. The vulnerability in question is CVE 2021 3539 or 4, a CVSS score of 9.8. It's a set of buffer overflows and an arbitrary command injection bug that would be weaponized to execute arbitrary code with the highest level of privilege and take over affected appliances. So this has a huge impact and obviously requires a bit more creativity from practitioners. Another critical uh, remote, uh, remote command RCE, sorry, Lexmark printer bug has a public exploit. The uh, cross-site, um, well, one, the critical vulnerability does allow remote code execution. The uh, proof of concept code circulating publicly is showing that this is pretty easy to, t to take advantage of, although there's no actual cases of it. The bug is reported a CVE 2023. 2023-23560 carries a score of 9 or out of 10 on the CVSS vulnerability severity scale. It's a server-side request for, uh, forgery uh, vulnerability in the web service feature of the newer Lexmark devices, according to the printer giant advisories. The printers have an embedded web server that allows users to view and remotely configure printer settings via an internet portal. In a typical SSRF attack, an attacker can take over such a server and force it to make a connection either to internal resources, housing sensitive information, or to external systems serving malware. Enterprise uh, printers are a stealthy entryway for threat actors. Uh, Print Nightmare was one of those. So Lexmark has issued a patch notice there to get this taken care of. Bind has also updated a patch high severity remote executable uh, denial of service flaw. The Internet Systems Consortium this week announced patches for multiple high-severity denial-of-service vulnerabilities in the DNS software suite Bind. The addressed issues could be exploited remotely to cause named the Bind daemon that acts both as an authoritative name server and as a reclusive resolver to crash or could lead to the exhaustion of the available memory. The first security defect tracked a CV 2022-309 or 4 can be exploited by sending a flood of dynamic DNS updates, which would cause named to allocate large amounts of memory, resulting in a crash due to the lack of free memory. According to the ISC, because allocated memory is only retained for clients for which access credentials are accepted, the scope of the vulnerability is limited to trusted clients that are allowed to make dynamic zone changes. Um, several additional bugs here for bind um, on these issues, but all of the vulnerabilities have been resolved with the versions. 9.16.37, 9 9.18.11, and 9.19.9. ISC says it's not aware of any of these vulnerabilities being exploited, but are encouraging everyone to update those as well. The US no fly list has been shared on forums, and the government is actively investigating. The new US no fly list, which was part of the commute air server compromise, I uh, think last week or, or just a week and a half ago. Um, the uh, Swiss hacker Maya Arsen uh, Crimu, formerly Tilly Kotman, stumbled upon the misconfigured AWS server containing the TSA no-fly list. The TSA no-fly list itself is from 2019. The server in question belonged to Ohio-based airline Commute Air, a, a subsidiary of United Airlines. Although steps were taken earlier to patch the leak, the no-fly list regardless surfaced online as of January 26th on a publicly accessible hacking forum. The verified with Thalen and other sources that the list posted on the forum is the same no-fly list and selectee list that were recently discovered on the Commute Air server. Uh, Bleeping Computer did review a portion of the list provided as two CSV files named no-fly and selectee. 
The latter list likely names the names of some passengers to undergo a secondary security screening selection at airports when flying into the U.S. Selected could be people part of a terror watch list or, or anything else. Uh, the list mentions Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, along with 16 potential aliases, according to the Daily Dot. The terrorist uh, screening list is relied upon by multiple federal agencies to manage and share consolidated information for counterterrorism purposes. And this goes to a, a greater challenge between the issues from the federal government taking classified information, sharing it with private organizations who may not have the right security posture to handle it, who just simply sign a piece of paper saying, yeah, we, we're, we're doing all of these things, whether or not they're doing them right or wrong is, 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 is not really viewed upon. And this is, I think, one of the biggest areas of opportunities for our government to do um, is to really kind of not crack down, but become a real partner to these um, smaller companies that require federal go- that work within the space that have regulations to deal with and, and, and aren't up to standard. Um, so that's something there. And, and this no fly list is sure uh, to bring about a whole new headache for the department of justice and the U S government and FBI uh, for the foreseeable future. The Hive ransomware has been disrupted after the FBI did an offensive security operation and hacked the gang's systems. The Hive ransomware operations tore payment and data leak sites were seized as part of an international law enforcement operation after the FBI said and infiltrated the gang's infrastructure last July. The Department of Justice in Europol announced that an international law enforcement operation secretly infiltrated the Hive ransomware gang's infrastructure in July of 2022. When they secretly began monitoring the operation for six months, this operation allowed them to learn about the attacks before they occurred and warn targets and to obtain and distribute decryption keys to victims, preventing approximately $130 million in ransom payments. Since late July, the FBI had penetrated Hive's computer networks, captured its decryption keys, and offered them to victims worldwide, preventing victims from having to pay the $130 million in ransom demands. Since infiltrating the Hive network in July of 2022, the FBI has provided over 300 encryption keys to Hive victims who were under attack. In addition, the FBI distributed over an additional 1,000 encryption keys to previous Hive victims. According to an application for a warrant, the FBI gained access to two dedicated servers and one virtual private server at a hosting provider in California that were released using email addresses belonging to Hive members. In the coordinated action, Dutch police also gained access to two backups dedicated servers hosted in the Netherlands. Using this access, law enforcement confirmed that these servers acted as the operation's main data leak site negotiation site and web panels used by operators and affiliates. In addition to the decryption keys, the FBI examined the database found on Target Server 2. The FBI found records of Hive communication, malware file hash values, information on Hive's 250 affiliates and victim information consistent with the information it had previously obtained through the decryption operation. If you're not proud about this operation, I don't know what would make you proud about this operation. This may be one of the only times the federal government actually pulled something off and did it so eloquently and did it so well. One, the fact that they were in there for six months, letting them launch attacks and then just grabbing the decryption keys, reaching out to the victim saying, we've got it, don't pay them, is a change that changed the game, period. If you're a ransomware gang now, you're an affiliate with Hive, you're on the run. You're taking down your existing operation. You're, they've set back ransomware. They haven't eliminated ransomware. They sure as heck set it back, and they've set it back significantly. Hive was a big, big player. So kudos to the FBI for doing this. This just proves that offensive cyber operations are needed, and we need 
more of them. The idea of not hacking back that uh, was the executive order that then President Obama put in place is proven to be a failure when it comes to actually deterring cybercrime. And this administration has taken it extremely seriously and good for them and good for the FBI. A much needed victory um, reminding us that they can actually go and, and hinder uh, the people who are targeting our organizations. That's it for our show today. Sorry about the issue with the audio uh, earlier. Um, so I do apologize about that. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow, 9 a.m. right here live on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. You can go check it out, subscribe. And CISO Talk drops tomorrow at 11 a.m. with a brand new episode with my good friend Patrick Benoit. You don't want to miss it. Till then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.